Acknowledging the talent on this football team is easy. Ranking them, that's a little harder. You are Locked On Longhorns, your daily podcast on the Texas Longhorns. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Locked on Longhorns, the show. Jonathan Davis, your host. Today's episode of Locked on Longhorns is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of Locked on. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked on today to get started. And on today's episode of Locked on Longhorns, we're discussing the top 15 players on this Texas football team and an NBA Summer League update from Timmy Allen, Marcus Carr, and Serge Barry Rice. All of that and more on today's episode of Locked on Longhorns, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. So this weekend, I hope you all had a great weekend, but this weekend I'm looking on Inside Texas for some content ideas. And I found a really cool article where Eric Nalene ranked the top 15 players on this Texas football team heading into the 2023 season. And the important distinction is the list is the top 15 best Texas players heading into the season, not most important, because if we were ranking most important, we know that Quinn Ewers would be number one on any list, but it's the best players heading into the season. And this is based on uh, Eric Nalin's analysis, as well as some analysis from some well-placed sources within the building. So I'm going to go through both of our list. Of course, we differ at certain spots. He has some players higher than I do. I have certain players higher than he does. The only player he has on his list that I do not have on mine, I think from looking at it right now, is Christian Jones, right? Spoiler alert, but I'll go one through 15, no surprises on Locked On Longhorns. And, you know, I would like you to follow along and, you know, let me know in the comments. If I got somebody too high, let me know. Somebody too low, let me know. Or somebody not on here at all that you think will be one of the 15 best players for this football team this season. Of course, let me know in the comments. There are no right or wrong answers. So starting with number one, me and Eric Nalin completely agree. I think if you're doing this list at home, you would probably agree as well. It's Kelvin Banks. And his analysis is he doesn't have any flaws, at least until the NFL starts nitpicking. Complete player, complete person. As a source put it, he's the most consistent, smart, athletic talent on the team, and his work ethic is great too. And I agree. I think he's just a mature football player at such a young age to step in as a true freshman, one of the three premium positions in football, and hold your own, right? You go against four first-round edges in your second career start ever. You go against Will Anderson, one of the best football players, period, not just defensive, best football players, period, in college football in the last 10 years, and you more than hold your own, right? And you talk about that work ethic. He's one of the best players on this football team. He's probably unquestionably a top 10 to top 15 draft pick in two years. And yet he works his ass off like he's trying to make the two deep, right? That's what you want from your best players on this football team. Like he said, complete player, complete person. You know what you're going to get week in and week out from Kelvin Banks. And I expect a big jump from what we saw in 2022. My number two player on the list, Jalen Ford. Eric Nalin has Jalen Ford all the way down at seven. Xavier Worthy is his number two player. And when you read his analysis on Jalen Ford, the reason he has him down at seven is Ford became a well-rounded linebacker last year, but can still improve in his consistency and recognition. If he does, he'll probably be a top five player on the team. I'm taking a step further and saying that he will be a top five player on the team. Number two, exactly. If you ask me going into the season, who are the two most likely All-American candidates on this football team? I would say Kelvin Banks and Jalen Ford. Now, maybe that's because of 
who Xavier Worthy, A.D. Mitchell, and Quinn Ewers would be competing with, maybe even J.T. Sanders with Brock Bowers, right? Some really good players at those positions ahead of who we have on this Texas football team. But I also think that Jalen Ford will have a better season than he did last year, maybe not statistically, but just overall better than he was last year in his All-American season. When you're looking at somebody who had over 100 tackles, I think four interceptions, multiple sacks, and multiple forced fumbles, he was one of the best players in the country, regardless of the position, right? And he got snubbed for a Big 12 Defensive Player of the Year, even though he was first team All-Big 12. And I think that Eric Nalin is right about the consistency because he did not have a stat in the ULM game and then rattles off an All-American season and then didn't play as well as he did during the season against Washington. I think he'll be a lot better this year in terms of play recognition. I think that you can say that about anybody on the defensive side of the ball when you're going against these high-flying offenses. But one play that comes to mind in particular where he didn't feel the right gap was the 82-yard run against Alabama with Jace McClellan, which obviously was a key play in that game. And I remember a few games last year, I think maybe Kansas State, Iowa State and Oklahoma State are a combination of two of those three where he was getting picked on in the passing game. But I think he'll be a lot better this year. He's a natural leader, All-American last year, definitely an All-American candidate this year. And I think he'll be the Big 12 Defensive Player of the Year. That's why I have him at number two on my list. And the consistency concerns, I don't think are too much of a concern. He was one of the most consistent players on this football team last season. My number three player is Xavier Worthy. He was Eric Nalin's number two player. His analysis on Xavier Worthy is he has his flaws, but I think he'll have a strong bounce back season. It seems Sark started to understand Worthy's strength and weaknesses in the bowl game, but Worthy did not reward him in that game. Worthy is a very hard worker with a new teacher. Expect big things. And I do expect big things from Xavier Worthy this season. I thought the best quote that came out of Big 12 Media Days was Xavier Worthy talking about taking a step back and improving his overall health, right? His mental health, his physical health, and his emotional health, and maturing, right? Being a leader that he needed to be for this Texas football team. And you know, as much of a down year he had last year, he still has 22 touchdowns, I think, in 25 games, right? He's been a special player at the University of Texas, even though he has yet to eclipse 1,000 yards. We expect this football team to be a top 10 offense this season. Xavier Worthy is going to be the biggest reason for that outside of Quinn Ewers and Kelvin Banks, because you're talking about a player that is the perfect fit in Steve Sarkeesian's offense. We know in Sark's offense, the deep ball sets up everything else, and there's nobody better on this Texas football team right now in terms of getting deep and making plays down the field than Xavier Worthy. I also think the relationship with Chris Jackson will help him a lot. I think Brennan Marion was a great wide receiver coach, but he maybe had too much of a peer relationship with Worthy. I think Chris Jackson, it would be more of a business relationship. This is a contract year for Xavier Worthy. He could play himself into the first round. I think he shows up and balls out this season. Number four on my list, A.D. Mitchell. He had Eric Nalin had A.D. Mitchell at number three. And you can make the argument that A.D. Mitchell might be the most complete receiver on the football team. You can make the argument that A.D. Mitchell might be a more complete receiver than Xavier Worthy. When you listen to what Eric Nalin says, he says, I almost put Mitchell ahead of Xavier Worthy, and there will certainly be games where he's the best receiver on the team. I just think Worthy is going to get more deep shots and make more long house calls. Worthy is Sark's turbo button, but I fully expect Mitchell to become yours go-to in crunch time, however huge pickup. And I think like Jalen Catalan, really the only concern you would have with A.D. Mitchell is can he stay healthy? 
right? I think he only played half of the games he was eligible to play last year. But we've seen in the biggest moments for college football playoff games, he has scored four touchdowns. And he's that player that we were missing when Isaiah Nayor went down last year. Just that player that you can throw the ball up and say, make a play. And he's great at that, you know, size. He uses his frame really well, but he can also run past you and he's fluid in his routes, right? You would not expect that for somebody his size, just a steal in the transfer portal. You should not find players this good in the transfer portal, but, you know, maybe A.D. Mitchell was satisfied with his two national championships and wanted to come back home and put on for the 40 acres. I would not be surprised if Xavier Worthy and A.D. Mitchell both end up being first team all Big 12 receivers if this is a top 10 offense and this offense booms like we expected to in year three of Steve Sarkeesian. Eric Nalin's number four player was Jade Barron. I got him at number seven. We'll get into that a little bit later. Maybe I shouldn't have spoiled that. We have the same player at number five, similar to number one, is JT Sanders. And I thought about putting Quinn Ewers right here, but I think that in terms of you're just talking about the best players, JT Sanders is probably the second best tight end in the country. I don't think Quinn Ewers is the best, the second best quarterback in the country right now. He could play up to that level this year, but I don't have him as the second best quarterback in the country right now. And when you look at JT Sanders, he is just a special player at that position, right? I think he's somebody that could legit run a four, six, somebody that can make plays in all areas of the field. And there's only a handful of tight ends. You could say that about, right? Somebody that can make plays deep intermediate or in the short area of the field, somebody that can run routes, you know, can make you miss, but it can also, you know, power past you on any given day. He can be the best receiver on this football team, just like AD Mitchell. And he's such an important part of the blocking game, right? I think that was a shock to all Texas fans last year, how good he was as a blocker, because all we heard in 2021 was he didn't want to block, you know, and he came back last year and was a big reason why we were so effective running the ball. So I think that, you know, JT Sanders, I'm not sure what the production will look like. You got three or four running backs that'll touch the ball. You got four or five receivers that'll touch the ball. And, you know, there's only so many targets and carries to go around, but JT Sanders unquestionably is one of the two best players at his position going into the season. And I think he's going to mean so much for this Texas football team from a leadership standpoint and from a blocking standpoint, even if it doesn't show up in the box score in his receiving stats. Quinn Ewers, number six. We both have Quinn Ewers at number six. And I know a lot of people listening will be like, in terms of natural talent, Quinn Ewers might be number one, right? You know, Quinn Ewers could be a top 10 NFL draft pick at the end of the year. How could you have him down at number six? The reason I have Quinn Ewers down at number six, and I'll read his analysis because I kind of felt the same way. As the quarterback, Ewers has an outsized effect on games compared to other players. I think he could end up higher on the list. It just requires more projection than I'm currently comfortable with. And we've all said that Quinn Ewers will be better in year two in Steve Sarkeesian's system. And I think he'll be a lot better this year. But the question is how better? And I think a lot of fans have kind of jumped overboard in terms of projecting what Quinn Ewers will do this year. I'm hearing a lot of, you know, well, Joe Burrow wasn't great in 2018 and then he turned into the best quarterback of all time, potentially in 2019. I don't think it's fair to expect that from Quinn Ewers. I've said on the podcast that I don't even think he'll have a 2020 Mac Jones, Alabama year. And that's no disrespect to Quinn Ewers. Mac Jones was just that spectacular in Steve Sarkeesian's offense in 2020, throwing to multiple first round wide receivers. All right. When I look at Quinn Ewers this year, I think there'll still be some growing pains. I think he'll be one of the best six to eight quarterbacks in college football this year. But I think he's still a young quarterback with a gunslinger mentality. Right. And I think that at this point, he's still more talented 
than Pollard. So I think he'll still be one of the best quarterbacks in the country. He will lead Texas to a Big 12 championship this season. But in terms of ranking the individual talent and production on this team relative to their position, I have Quinn Ewers at six, and so does Eric Nalene. Now, Jade Barron is my number seven player. I told you Eric Nalene had him high at number four. I want to read his analysis. This lofty ranking is due to many factors. To keep it short, he can make plays down the field, at the line of scrimmage, and behind the line of scrimmage. I expect the coaches to get even more creative with him. Barron is a playmaker. Three or four sacks this year would not surprise me. And that's why I have him as my number seven player before we go into the commercial break. I think he's one of the most underrated players, not only on this Texas football team, but in the country. When you look at what he was able to do last year, he was one of the biggest reasons that this defense made a 1-8. And he was only Big 12 honorable mention. Then you come into this season and five DBs get picked for Big 12 all preseason first team. And I was about to say Eric Nalim, Jade Barron was not one of those players. And I just don't understand what the national media is watching, what, you know, college football media is watching, what these people on Twitter making lists are watching when they're talking about Jade Barron. Maybe they don't just watch the nickel position or star position at all. Jade Barron is a star at that position, like Eric Nalim said, whether it's sacking the quarterback, tackles for loss making a tackle on the ball carrier at the line of scrimmage or covering wide receivers in the short, intermediate, or deep areas of the field. Jade Barron can make plays wherever you ask him to, and he will be one of the three best defensive players on this Texas football team this year, and one of the reasons I think they'll improve on their improvement from the 2022 season. A quick word from our sponsors, and then we're coming back to do 8 through 15 on the 15 best players on this Texas football team in 2023. My bad, y'all. Take your first swing at betting MLB on FanDuel and get 10 times your first bet amount and bonus bets up to $200. That's right. Just bet 20 bucks and you'll land $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. That's 200 You can bet... You can spend betting everything from the money line to the over under to who you think is going to hit the first home run all on an app that's safe, secure and super easy to use. Plus, when you win, you can get paid instantly. There's no better place to bet on MLB than FanDuel, America's number one sports book. So sign up today and visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to get up to $200 in bonus bets. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on FanDuel, the official partner of Major League Baseball. All right, so getting back into the list, at number eight, I have Jalen Catalan. And Eric Nalin has Jalen Catalan down at number 13. His analysis on Jalen Catalan is if the Arkansas transfer stays healthy, he'll end the season much higher than this. Catalan has adapted well to the locker room. I am projecting that he will have his healthiest season since, I guess, what would it be, 2020, right? I think that was the season that he was all SEC, if not 2019. But he has that, you know talent level right and I think that he definitely could be at all big 12 safety this year you know I think that safety is one of the most important positions on this defense as we saw last year with Anthony Cook and Jaron Thompson and I think that Jalen Catalan is an upgrade over Anthony Cook and as I've said a million times on the podcast the only question mark about Jalen Catalan is will he stay healthy and I'm going to knock on wood and project that he will have his healthiest season in the last two years right and when you talk about just the natural ability he's a leader Right. And I think that's why he's adapted well in the locker room already. He has great instincts, great play recognition from that safety spot. He can play in zone, whether it's one deep or the two deep. He can come down and, 
you know, covering man, whether it's receivers, tight ends, or running backs. And he can also make plays around the line of scrimmage in the run game, help out with run support. You can also use him as a Swiss Army knife, kind of like Jade Barron, and blitz the quarterback as well. So he's somebody that can do a lot of different things for this Texas football team. I'm projecting he'll play in at least 10 games this year, and I think that would be enough for him to be one of the 10 best players on this Texas football team. And I said on a previous episode of the podcast that we may have a conversation at the end of the year who was the best player on this defense, Jalen Ford or Jalen Catalan? I think if Jalen Catalan plays 10 plus games this year, that'll be a serious conversation we're having at the end of the season. Eric Nalini's number eight player is Byron Murphy. I'll get in him. I'll get into him a little bit later on the list. Pause. Jordan Whittington, number nine. He's my number nine player on the list. Eric Nalini had him at number 10. So, you know, pretty much same ranking. A selfless player at a selfish position. Whittington will keep his same DB attitude while becoming a bigger playmaker this year. Each quality receiving threat helps the others, and Texas will often have four of them on the field at the same time. He'll also be the key block on some long outside zone touchdown runs this year. I think Jordan Whittington is just a culture builder, right? He's the type of player that you bring in, and he just helps take your football team to the next level because he's willing to do all the dirty work, and he's a very talented football player as well. You know, a huge boost coming back for the 2023 season, and he's a hell of a receiver. Right. You know, he can separate a man. You know, he's a really good route runner. But I think his most special trait as a receiver is his ability in zone coverage. Right. He just understands the looks that the defenses are giving him. And he knows how to sit down in that uh, zone coverage and be available to his quarterback. And I think that's huge for a young quarterback in Quinn Ewers. Right. Just Jordan Whittington being open in that short to intermediate area of the field, sometimes in the middle of the field. And we know when he gets the ball in his hands, he's destructive after the catch, right? He can definitely pick up some more yards that way. And, you know, like Eric Nalini said, he's such a great blocker, right? Blocking for his other receivers or blocking for the running backs on the football team. And he will, you know, increase the production of other players with his selfless attitude. So I love Jordan Whittington. He's also a natural leader. And I think that's why he cracked, you know, my top 10. And I have him a little bit higher than Eric Nalini does. I have him at nine. He has Jordan Whittington at 10. I have Jonathan Brooks at number 10. He has Jonathan Brooks at number 14. And he had Christian Jones as his number nine player where I had Jordan Whittington. The reason I have Jonathan Brooks as number 10 is we haven't seen a lot of production, even though when he's gotten his opportunities, he's averaged over seven yards a touch in those opportunities. So you would expect him to be very explosive this year behind an improved offensive line. And we know what he did in high school where I think he had 74 touchdowns his senior year, which is just absolutely ridiculous. But we're talking about an offense that's going to be likely at the top 10, top 15 at worst, right? One of the most explosive offenses in the country. If Jonathan Brooks is the bell cow in this offense, we know that he should have a thousand yards because Steve Sarkeesian has had a thousand yard rusher every year that he has called an offense. But on top of that, he's going to get a lot of opportunities in the passing game and he's going to get a lot of opportunities to dominate in the running game, right? This is still a power run offense, regardless of all the bells and whistles on the outside. So if you're telling me that this is going to be a top 10 elite offense in the country, then the starting running back has to be one of the top 10 players on the football team. And I think Jonathan Brooks is a special football player. And I think the world will see it this year. The Texas football team and Texas fans already know what Jonathan Brooks is capable of. At number 11, I have Byron Murphy and he had Eric Nalene had Byron Murphy at number eight. So I have him a little bit lower. I think when you look at Byron Murphy, he's just a very consistent player with a high motor, right? You know what you're going to get 
uh, play in and play out from, right? And he's very physical and very violent at the point of attack, right? And that's what you want from those big boys up front. And I think that's a very crucial position for Texas because in 2021, we could not stop the run at all. In 2022, in terms of yards per carry allowed, we were one of the best teams in the country, especially in the Big 12, at stopping the run. And you lost you know, some big pieces to that in terms of, uh, you know, Keandre Coburn and Moral Ojimo to the NFL draft and DeMarvian Overshone at the linebacker position. So you definitely don't want to take a step back in terms of, you know, stopping the run and being dominant up front. And I think if they're able to occupy a box, that only helps your edge rushers in terms of getting to the quarterback and it helps your linebackers, you know, free up and make plays on the quarterback or the running back. So Byron Murphy is going to be a big part of that. He was a first team all Big 12 preseason player. And I just love his intensity, you know, every play. And he's one of the strongest players, if not the strongest player on this football team. You know what you're going to get from him, play in and play out. And I think he'll have either a first team or second team all Big 12 type season. My number 12 player is Tavondre Sweat, right? He had Baron Sorrell and Tavondre Sweat at 11 and 12. I have Byron Murphy and Tavondre Sweat at 11 and 12. And Tavondre Sweat has been a little bit less consistent, I think, than Byron Murphy. But the ceiling is high, right? When Tavondre Sweat is on, he's one of the best players on this football team. We saw that last year where he might have made the play of the season if it was called correctly, uh, getting to uh, Bryce Young on that sack and safety in the end zone that they didn't call the safety, right? But Tavondre Sweat easily could have made the play of the season and maybe of the last five years for this Texas football team, knocking off a number two Alabama team in DKR, right? So you know what Tavondre Sweat is capable of when he's at his best. I think he'll be at his best this year, somewhat of a contract year for him as well. And I think he'll end up either first or second team, all Big 12, a special player up front. Ryan Watts is my number 13 player. And, you know, Eric Nalim made a good point that when you're talking about just from a pure coverage standpoint, he's probably not one of the best three or four corners we have in the room in terms of pure coverage. A lot of people have said he projects to be a safety at the next level. Right. I don't know if that's a compliment, a backhanded compliment, however you want to you know, react to it. But, you know, a corner telling him that he should play safety at the next level is not just a pure compliment. Right. But nonetheless, we've seen, you know, coming over from Ohio State, Ryan Watts has been a steady player for us. You know, I think he kind of steadied that room at the corner position opposite Deshaun Jameson, and he was really good. You know, he had a chance to make one of the biggest plays in the last five years for this Texas football team last year, too. But, you know, there's a reason uh, Bryce Young went first overall, you know, ducking that sack, which led them to beat Texas in DKR, uh, you know, the second week of the season. But, you know, I think he brings everything else to the game, right? And it's the and saying he's not one of the four best corners in terms of pure coverage on the team doesn't mean that he's a bad coverage corner, right? That's just not, I don't even want to say that's not his strong suit because how can you say a corner in coverage? That's not, his, you know, like that's his weak suit, right? I don't even know what I'm saying right now. He's a good coverage corner. I think we have better coverage corners, but he does a really good job of coming down and helping out and run support. He's really instinctual and he doesn't give up the big play. All right. That's the best way to describe Ryan Watts. He's just a really steady player for this Texas football team. Doesn't have the super high ceiling, right? He won't end up being a top five player on this football team, but he definitely won't have a disappointing season. He's going to be steady for us, make a lot of plays. He's going to be one of the biggest reasons I think the defense matches the level they were at last year, if not improves on it. Jaron Thompson is the player I replaced Christian Jones with. Eric Dalene does not have Jaron Thompson on his list. I have him on mine. When we looked at this defense last year, I thought the safeties were two of the most important players on the defense, right? Uh, Anthony Cook and Jaron Thompson. And I thought Jaron Thompson was always around the ball last year. He was so great 
uh, in terms of run support coming down and just making big hits on the ball carrier, right? Forced a, a few fumbles and he only had one interception, but he was always around the ball. He just can't catch, you know, but you always being around the ball as a safety tells me that you understand what you're looking at and you understand what the offense is trying to do to you on the defensive side of the ball. Also thought a big reason that this defense was so improved last year was the communication. And we know that, you know, maybe Gary, Gary Patterson brought that in, but the communication was coming from back to front, right? So the communication was coming from Jaron Thompson and Anthony Cook. I think that, you know, only increases this year. I think that he's a leader on this Texas football team, but I also think he's one of the most underrated and one of the just best 15 players on this Texas football team. That's why I have him at 14. I also thought he was potentially snubbed, you know, last year, making Big 12 all honorable mention. I'm projecting that he'll make Big 12 all second team this year with Jalen Catalan possibly making the first team or joining him on the second team. And my 15th best player, I had Anthony Hill, but I realized I was tripping, had to cross it out. It's Baron Sorrell. You know, I think Baron Sorrell could be a seven and a half to eight sack player this year. I don't think he'll be a dominant edge. You know, I don't think he'll, you know, end up in the conversation at the end of the year for one of the big defensive awards. But, you know, I think that he'll be key for this Texas football team who I don't think has a great pass rush without it being manufactured, right? One of the best signs of a really good football team is can you get pressure with four? I'm not sure that's the case with this Texas football team. So you're going to need Baron Sorrell to go out there and have the type of year that maybe Joseph Osai had, you know, a few years ago where not, you know, have 13 and a half sacks, but on every rep, he has to be a problem for the quarterback and the left tackle, right? I think that's the role that Baron Sorrell has to play this year. You don't know how much pass rush you're going to get from the interior defensive line, and you don't know how much pass rush you're going to get from Ethan Burke, Justice Finkley, whoever starts opposite of Baron Sorrell. So we expect Baron Sorrell to be our premier edge player. I think he has to have seven and a half, eight plus sacks this year for the Texas defense to match the intensity they had last year or improve on it. And like I said, you know, I think our two biggest question marks right now are the interior offensive line and our pass rush. Right. And the biggest, you know, antidote to not having a pass rush is being able to get pressure before and not having to blitz all the time because that takes away from coverage on the back end. If Baron Sorrell has the type of year that a lot of people think he'll have, then our pass rush will not be an issue for the Texas football team. And this defense definitely will be better than they were last season. So that's my top 15 players. Honorable mention, I had Anthony Hill at 15 at first. I had to cross it off. I think that he'll get enough reps this year to prove how special a player he is. And I think he's one of the best players we've brought into the 40 acres in the last decade. I've said it. He will be a future SEC defensive player of the year. Mark my words. I also had Jaden Blue slash Cedric Baxter. If this is going to be one of the best offenses in the country, we know last year Roshan Johnson was one of the best 15 players on this football team. Now I think we'll throw the ball a lot more this year and run the ball a little bit less, but I think there'll still be a lot of opportunities for Jaden blue or Cedric Baxter, whoever is deemed to be the second running back. And I think they'll end up being, I guess, honorable mention one of the best 17 to 18 players on this football team, but a really good list from Eric Nalene. I thought my list was really good. Maybe even better. <laughs> I'm just kidding, but let me know where you agree with me. Disagree with me. If I got the list right, I got the list wrong. And if there's anybody I snubbed, right? Is there anybody I didn't mention at all that you think will be a top 15 player on this Texas football team? A quick word from our sponsors. And then we're getting into the summer league action, summer league action, my Lord, from three Texas basketball players.
So this Texas basketball team had a really special season last year, and three of the biggest reasons for that were your Serge Abari Rice, Marcus Carr, and Timmy Allen. And unfortunately, they all exhausted uh, their eligibility last year and had to move on from this Texas basketball program. But, you know, Ronnie Terry and his staff have done a really good job of filling out the roster. And, you know, now we have a chance to root for, you know, Serge Abari Rice, Marcus Carr, and Timmy Allen at the next level. So they – None of them were drafted, but they were all signed in some capacity. Jabari Rice was signed to a two-way contract with the Spurs. Marcus Carr and Timmy Allen were signed to summer league contracts. Carr with the Phoenix Suns and Timmy Allen with the Memphis Grizzlies. And I just want to give a quick update on them now that their summer leagues are over for 2023. I think the championship game is tonight between the Houston Rockets and the Cleveland Cavaliers. So Rice, Carr, and Allen are done with the summer league for 2023. And when we look at Serge Abari Rice, he's on a two-way contract with the Spurs. Probably will start the season with their G League affiliate, but I can see uh, definitely a scenario in which he plays some real NBA games this year. And obviously, we know the work ethic from a player like Serge Abari Rice, somebody that can do everything on the court and will do whatever it takes to you know, make his team win. And I could eventually see him on the actual roster as an everyday player with everyday minutes. But in two games... In the summer league for the San Antonio Spurs, he had 24 points and seven steals, a few rebounds, a few assists, but really the highlights were 24 points and seven steals. So he averaged 12 points a game and three and a half steals a game. So very active on the defensive side of the ball on 45% shooting. But what's interesting is he was seven for nine on two pointers, two for 11 on three pointers. So 45% shooting, but he almost had 100% shooting on two pointers, could not get the three ball to knock down the way he wanted to, the way we saw him make seven threes, I think was that against uh, Colgate or whoever we played in the first round in the NCAA tournament. We know he's more than capable of making the three ball. And I think when he approves that and gets more consistent with it, he'll be a consistent player on the San Antonio Spurs basketball team. Marcus Carr for the Phoenix Suns summer league team played in four games, only 13 minutes per game, did not get a ton of opportunity and did not do particularly well in those opportunities only 9.6 rebounds, seven assists, and two steals in about 50 minutes of summer league play and only 25% shooting on those 12 shot attempts. When we're looking at Marcus Carr projecting him to the next level, he would have to be a dominant scorer, right? You don't see a ton of playmaking, a ton of defense, or a ton of athleticism, which you need at the NBA level to succeed. So he's going to have to make his mark as a scorer and 25% shooting on 12 shot attempts. You know, not a ton of counting stats in 50 minutes, although he didn't get a bunch of opportunity. Not sure that's what the Phoenix Suns wanted to see. So, you know, either he'll make their G League team, somebody else's G League team. He'll end up overseas or he'll end up doing something else. Right. But, you know, just grateful he got the opportunity to showcase his skill set. And, you know, hopefully he gets another you know opportunity to improve on that. And then Timmy Allen, you know, a little bit of the same. He played five games total, uh, 14 minutes per game, five points, two rebounds, one assist per game on 38% shooting. And I was thinking about this, that Timmy Allen is kind of a anomaly in today's NBA because he's a below the rim forward, right? Who doesn't give you a ton of playmaking or defense and doesn't shoot threes, right? And that's no knock on Timmy Allen because he was great for Texas basketball. It's just a player that's kind of outdated in today's NBA. So, you know, same thing with Marcus Carr, he got limited opportunity in the summer league, didn't do great at it. You know, so we'll see if he gets another opportunity on the Memphis Grizzlies G League team, another G League team, or he ends up overseas playing basketball. Nonetheless, these are three of the best basketball players in the world that put on for Texas basketball. And I wish them all the best in their future endeavors. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Locked On Longhorns, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hook them. Peace.